Hello, it is Matt Weaver with BibleTruthProject.com here with another episode. Um, I decided to do an episode. I was um, actually I was interacting with an individual named Chris White. He's got a Bible Prophecy podcast. He also wrote the book False Christ. I've spoken about it before. And I was interacting with him on Twitter a little bit. He pretty much had watched this vague video um, kind of describing the location of the of the temple in Jerusalem. And he was like, this is it. This confirms it in my mind that the location of the, of the temple was over David City. And um, I... I just I just said, well, I, I used to hold to that view, and um, I've kind of turned back on my opinion on that for some reasons, and then I gave him some information, etc. Now, he did a podcast that he just uh, announced or launched this week, well, not launched, uh, published, there we go, where he discusses the issues of the Temple Mount and kind of paints it out, and he, you know, he cites me as being somebody who said, yeah, listen to Rittmeyer, that's me. Of course, he doesn't listen to my podcast, I'm sure, but... I wanted to kind of follow up with his and kind of go over some of the history. Um, it seemed to me in the podcast that he's not fully, a, I mean, he's watched some videos, the way it sounds, and he's read some vague articles, and now he's formulated an opinion. And I'm, I understand that, but I think it's, how would you say it? It's a little bad form. Um, it, it certainly... How, I, I would put it this way. It certainly, he seemed in debates and some of the books and stuff like that more studied on a subject than what he presented this time. But hey, whatever. Um, you know, it kind of, I'm not sure why all of a sudden, I mean, this the theory's been around, but I'm not sure why all of a sudden he's like, okay, this is it, boom. And uh, it, it's fine. It's not, not he's, he's not accountable to me in any way. But anyway, shape or form, I wanted to do an episode that kind of gives you my side, at least, of the view. And uh, kind of where this all came from, as I understand it. So basically, the issue of the Temple Mount is, there's several key things, um, I guess, to understand. So historically speaking, the Temple Mount is known as um, the area in Jerusalem that has Herodian base stones. And the reason we know it's Herodian because the same form of stone is found down at, uh, not Macheris, it's uh, down at uh, uh, Machpelah, the cave of Machpelah down in Hebron. And it has the same margin around it. And a lot of the Herodian architecture, anytime you find a Herodian building, you'll see that the stones have the same margin around it. So they consider anything that has those stones Herodian stones. Now, that's important because there's different archaeological styles uh, that kind of denote what's going on. And, and Caesar built like crazy. He built Masada. He built at Caesarea. He built um, Jerusalem. He built uh, Macheris. He built um, the Herodian. He built, I know there's all sorts of other places I'm not naming. He built up at uh, what we would call Samaria. I forget what he called that city, but... He built all over the creation, and he built amazing architecture. So he's well known for that. And uh, one of the things that he built, obviously, the Bible talks about, is he enlarged the temple and put a facade on it to beautify it. And he also supposedly built, you know, or it's written that he built a, a fortress at the corner, uh, or a tower, uh, at the corner of the Temple Mount. Now... It's, this is where things kind of go sideways. Okay, so throughout known history, as far as I can tell, as far as I've heard experts talk about it, 
Nobody has ever questioned the location of where the temple stood. They know it stood up on that Temple Mount area. Even though you look at pictures from the 1800s, it's stripped down, and you don't see a whole lot. You know, and then you have, I think, the Malachi or is it Micah that talks about the the Temple of God being like a wilderness or being like a plowed field. Um, you know, that sort of thing. It's this is difficult stuff to kind of deal with. So basically, I was introduced. I, I all of a sudden I was on YouTube. Saw this new video by Cornuke a couple years ago. I actually put it on my website. So if you go on my website, in the front page, you'll see that video. Where Cornuke kind of builds his case based on the archaeology of El Shukran and Temple Zero, which is a, a Bronze Age temple that's in David City. I uh, He basically, off of that kind of concept, he marries that with uh, the, the hypothesis of, I think it's Ernst Martin is his name, if I remember right. Who proposed that the temple was not the where the Temple Mount is, but actually over the city of David, because the Bible says, you know, how it was built in the city of David. So there's various there's various things that that's going on here. So Martin obviously was working with the archaeology of archaeology, sorry, of the early two thousands. And um, there's since been a lot of excavations that have gone on since then, and this theory has kind of gained steam. Uh, Bob Cornu kind of took it to a new level when he uh, met with Eli Shukran. Shukran became, a, after being an archaeologist after a career, he uh, became a tour guide. So Bob used him as, in his, on his tours. And then, you know, he, he hypothesized that all the temples were built over Temple Zero, being that Temple Zero was probably the Temple of Melchizedek in Salem. Now, I, uh, I'm not going to say it's impossible, okay? It's possible that it could be that the temple would be possibly in the, what we know today as the City of David area. The problem is that we don't exactly know to the extent of which that city was. Okay, The archaeology has not concluded how big the City of David is. And that's an important distinction because a lot of these theories are based on inconclusive archaeology. There's no nothing in the ground that concludes what they're saying is legit. And of course, this to them proves their theory because Jesus said as he was walking out of the temple that not one stone will be left upon another that will not be thrown down. And of course, they take a literal view, and and I would as well, uh, that you know Jesus was obviously you know speaking about it. So we have to look at it that every stone's left down. And then you have the account of Josephus, who is the the historian for the Romans, who's you know basically describing for the Roman court the history of the Jews. Now, I will say this, in the Jewish worldview today, Josephus is not looked upon kindly. He's looked upon as a traitor. He betrayed the Jewish people. He surrendered to the Romans. And uh, unfortunately, it was kind of a, a negative situation there. But just to describe a little bit of the topography of Jerusalem, if you look at a map today, you'll notice the city of David is this little, from what at least what they have archaeologically, is just, a little out, just this little outcropping. Um, on this little um, ridge, I guess, between two valleys. One of the valleys, the Kidron, the other one's the Trifonian. And uh, in the end of it's the, the Hinnom. And basically, it's, it's just this little outcropping of a place. It's a little city. And um, in, how would you say it? This often is then called... You know, or there was a city place called Zion, okay? 
And this name, Mount Zion, there's a lot of different, <laughs> there's a lot of different attached to this. I'm trying to think of the best way to present this without going on endlessly. But basically, Mount Zion, there was a hill, supposedly that was superior to even Moriah on the bottom side of the temple. That's what the advocates of this theory look at. And truth be told, there was probably more of a hill that was filled in by the Maccabees. Uh, they filled in the Trifonian Valley, which is on the other side of the city of David. And even if you look at the topography map, you can kind of see that. So it was filled in on the, with this mount uh, from that. But basically what you have is this little city of David. It's a little Jebusite city. It's been a lot of ancient cities, okay? Ancient cities are not big, okay? The second biggest city in ancient Israel was Lachish or Lachish. And you go there today... And it's just not big, okay? Like, it's just not big. It's it's. I doubt you would even have one city block. And this is the second biggest city in ancient Israel, okay? These cities were tight, small little places. And I think the problem today is a lot of people use these modern idea, like they think in their head what, you know, the size of cities should be. Even if you go to like Capernaum, which is a seaside little town, you know, you see about half maybe the archaeology today. If you see the full amount, it's just a little town. I mean, you can walk around it, whatever. Chorazin, the same thing. You go on it, but it's just a little, I mean, it's a little city. They would have considered it a village or a city. And um, they're not big, okay? So there's little cities. And the city of David is no difference, a little city. And the Bible describes that after the numbering of the people, that he was heading out of the city on the northern side, and he went up to the threshing floor of Aruna, later called Ornan. And uh, he bought the threshing floor from him. And it was at the place where he saw the angels suspended between heaven and earth. And um, that place he purchased for uh, our guests to put the temple on, if you will. So it's important to note where the edge of the ancient city of David was and to know that it was on the northern side of wherever that is at. Okay, So that's the first landmark that we have to look at. We've got to identify what was the northernmost point of the ancient city. And then the threshing floor of Orna was on the top north side of it as you're, as you're ascending the hill. Well, that is basically where the Temple Mount is today. Now, you could make an argument that it was below that, that it was, that's what they try to argue today, is that uh, if you look at the city of David today, for instance, close to the place where the temple, or not the temple, where the, the plot, the supposed royal house is at, just, just north of that, there would be, that's where the no, foundations of the temple stood. And basically where the road goes through, right under that is where they would put <clears throat> the location of the temple, um, this alternate view. And you can look at it online. And I was actually, when I first heard it, I was kind of excited about it because the whole plowed field connection and Temple Zero and all that good stuff. And I was kind of convinced that it's probably the correct uh, theory. Like it seemed to me to be the right thing. Now, I've been back to Israel twice since then, and one of the first things on my agenda is I wanted to go see Temple Zero. After I heard the theory and, you know, for it, I was kind of convinced. Looked at the pictures. My dad's got, you know, pictures from whatever. He bought whole thousands of pictures from old photos like that you can go through. And I remember looking at those and, you know, it seemed that, that yep, that seems right. But as I went back and I read through the material, one of the things I see is that presenters often present you material and they, they they act or sound like it's very concrete. When you actually read through it, it's not nearly as concrete as what it sounds. So when you read Joseph's or Josephus' description of the battles, 
And then you hear these people commenting, oh yeah, Josephus said this, and oh, he just says running down and this or that, or they ran across near these bridges, whatever. It's not as, <laughs> I've read Josephus a couple times. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's a difficult format to read. And I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just saying, if you read it for yourself, uh, it's not as clear as what they like to make it think or what, to, what they would like you to think. One of the things that stuck out to me, so in 2018, I went back and I arranged permission. Uh, Ellie was busy, but his best friend, Amos, uh, who I've become friends with, Amos is a great guy. Amos, Amos is his name. And um, he's a tour guide as well, best friend with Ellie. And he took us down into the Temple Zero site in 2018. And we looked at Temple Zero and it was amazing, unbelievable. It was a very special place. I consider it uh, a holy place, if you will. It's a very special place. There was something about it that deeply resonated with me. And I've never experienced that with many places. I've had a similar feeling, I would say, at Sinai down in Arabia. But other than that, not a whole lot of places that gives you that kind of solemn sense that something really significant was going on here. And that kind of threw me for a loop because it was like, there's a lot of things tying on this. Well, maybe, you know, maybe this is the thing or whatever. Anyway, on that trip, after I looked at that temple uh, or Temple Zero, which is just, it's crazy. I mean, that was there in the time of Abraham. Um, but then you start looking at the archaeology around it. Okay, so there's some stuff that's there from the first temple period. And in 2018, the archaeologists hadn't started... The dig that is on the uh, western side of the road, right opposite of the city of David National Park. That part, they had just started to dig there, but it hadn't made any progress. Uh, 2019, last year, I was there and I looked at the update. There was a tremendous amount of progress made in that area. And that's what kind of shattered my confidence in that theory, I would say... I'm not going to say finally, but for the most part, it kind of did. Because the more archaeology that's coming out of the ground, it doesn't corroborate the narrative that the temple's on that bottom side. And the reason I say that is because, number one, you have the southern steps, you have gates, there's these big stairways, okay? It doesn't make sense for a Roman fort to have steps like that, okay? What you call the southern steps. Right beside those southern steps, okay, there's no temple, what do you find? Houses and mikvahs. Mikvahs everywhere and houses everywhere. There was buildings right, right against what we call a temple mount, right in the area where supposedly the temple stood. And you cross the road and you look at the new archaeological site, same thing, second temple period buildings and mikvahs right, going right up there. Plus you got the underground road that they found that comes up right into the temple areas, right along the eastern uh, or the western wall of the temple area. All of those things are kind of linking up. And the archaeology just is not there, unfortunately, for a temple being by down further where they would call it Mount Zion or the City of David. And... It's just not there. I mean, I'm. I mean, if there if there would be some archaeology, whatever. The greatest thing they have going for them is the Gihon, and of course that's been excavated. You can go to you can go to the Gihon. You can see where the water water is, and you can go down Hezekiah's tunnel if you want to. That's the water source they have now. But you can go to the Gihon, and right above the Gihon, what you see is Temple Zero. But you don't see the foundation, and you see the foundation walls for David's city. 
there around it, but you don't see any foundation walls for the temple. Nothing that looks Herodian. Nothing. So if it was there, they literally went and took the stones all the way down to the first temple period and removed every last one of them, which I think is just improbable because Solomonic stones exist in other places like Gezer. They exist in... Uh, uh, I've been to Gezer and Lakish and... Uh, oh, what's the other one? Not Lakish. Gezer and Megiddo and Hazor. There you go. And you have these three same three chamber gates that date to the Solomonic period. So Solomon's stones were, you know, square ashlars. Plus you can go down to uh, Arad if you've never been there. And there you'll find kind of similar architecture, ashlar, carts, ashlar cut stones in a similar time frame. So, you know, what you see in David's city is like from that time frame. It is the square ashlar cuts. And then you go to the Herodians that got the margin around it. It's just a distinct style, and that style is all over the place. Now, the second argument they make is that, well, Roman forts were, you know, they were huge. In the ancient world, 35 acres, that's pretty much how Roman forts were. And, you know, Josephus describes it as kind of a city within a city, or, you know, almost like a couple cities within it. But he also described the whole thing as looking like a tower. Well, in the ancient world, they had towers, Roman towers, you know, obviously not like our skyscrapers, but they had towers, and he just said the whole thing looked like a tower. And he also said that the foundation of it was on the bedrock. Now, a lot of people say that the Dome of the Rock, that is on, oh, that's that's the rock he must have been describing. I disagree. I say the rock he was describing is all the way on the northwestern side of the Temple Mount. If you're doing the tunnel tour, you'll come, because that's street level in Jesus' day, you'll come to the area where the bedrock literally comes out of the ground and forms the western side of what would have been the Antonia Fortress. And Rittmeyer is an individual that I had found. Uh, and it, I have his book, The Quest. Unfortunately, um, uh, what's his name? Just slipped my mind. I should remember this. Chris did not get the book. He just read a paper on the refutation. But he didn't look at how much work Rittmeyer has done. He spent over 30 years studying the location and when he writes a paper, he's not using a vague argument, okay? He's just writing a paper to refute it. But if you look at his work, he knows what he's talking about. I, would, I wouldn't dismiss somebody's work, you know, of 35 years of actually getting into the, the areas and stuff and studying it to somebody who can create a cool YouTube video. I, I just would be careful. I would be careful with those types of conclusions. But anyway, so why does it matter? It doesn't really matter in the long and short of it. I don't know that um, what we would call the Temple Mount today, you know, whether it is the real place or not. It's not a salvific issue. It's not that big of a deal. I do believe the Temple Mount is there. Uh, that is the area where the temple stood. It just makes sense to me. The traditions seem to indicate that. Jewish tradition, obviously, they're way better than we are. As Christians, they uh, they don't hold to that view. They would hold to the view that it is where it's at. And of course, the you know, Crusaders, you know, build a church over it. And that's, you know, and you have the Al Aqsa, and you have just different stuff going on there. Uh, but you got you got the evidence you need to support what it, the traditions hold the temple look like within it. And then they make the argument that not a stitch of the Antonia has been found, not a trace, not one little bit. Well, it just, <laughs> again, so to quote Josephus, if you will, they destroyed it, okay? <laughs> they destroyed it. They didn't want that as a problem again. So, yeah, 
whatever. Basically, they raised the temple. If you if you read the rest of Roman history, they raised it and they built in its place another temple that stood for a long time. And on the foundations of that is where the church, uh, or where the the church of the whatever it's called, Domini or whatever it was. And then on top of then with that, they created what is what we know as the the, the Golden Dome or the the Dome of the Rock. So there's some history and tradition there. To just dismiss all of that, I think, is pretty unwise, especially in the fact that if you're going to place the Gihon Spring in the temple complex, all of that archaeology that's in the city of David would have been buried. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. It just the evidence isn't there. If I'd see foundation walls and you'd find evidence of things, okay, that's one thing. But they're just, I don't know. They just didn't, it just doesn't add up. It just doesn't add up. I mean, if archaeology comes out, I'll be happy to change my mind. But as of now, the Herodian base stones that go around the Temple Mount, I mean, he tries to say that, you know, the walls we see today aren't ancient. Well, I know that, but they're building the foundations of the ancient ones. And a lot of the ancient ones still exist. The biggest ones, the ones that they just couldn't move, they were too big to move, those still, those are still in place. And uh, they're Herodian. You go down to the Cave of Machpelah, which I've been there, it's the same stones. Those are actually in much better shape. So I would just highly advise anybody who's approaching this subject, do not get conclusive on it. It's just we're not there yet archaeologically. If you want to argue for a case or not, you know, whatever. It's just not one of those things that is very clear yet. Um, the archaeology is definitely in the favor of the traditional view. Um, the same thing can be said for the tomb, okay? The Holy Sepulchre versus the Garden Tomb. You know, which one feels right? Well, the Garden Tomb, of course, feels right, and it feels more like it, but where the Dome of, where the Holy Sepulchre is, was actually outside the traditional old city. It was in part of the enclosure of the wall, the northern side, but yeah, it, it was um, it was in it was technically outside of the city, so it could have been both places. I can't tell you definitively because I don't know. There's traditions, obviously, with the one where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is, but I, I just don't know. It was one of those places. And the other thing you have to remember, and this is part of you know they they quote this pilgrim who went there, and all he saw was the remains of the Roman fort. And supposedly they know where he stayed and what he was looking at. But truth be told, if you study what Josephus writes, the Romans built several forts around the city when they did, when they besieged it. And then after, after they actually turned it into Neo-Capitolina, they also changed it. They changed the whole city into a Roman city. And they possibly would have built a fort of some kind at that time as well. And they could have at that time built a fort around the temple for all we know. Uh, the temple to Apollo or Jupiter, whichever it was. I think it's Jupiter. It might be Apollo. But for all we know, they could have. I mean, I don't know. So to just use what's there as an example and say, well, that's the reigns of Roman fort. There's more history than that. There's more history to deal with. And there's a whole other side and then the Islamic period and all that good stuff. So all the reason I say all this, and I'm not trying to bore you to tears, just be careful when, you, when you're dealing with archaeological things. There's always some question marks because they can definitively find things that they believe cement once things are written and, you know, once they find a tablet. And I understand archaeology does that because unless you find definitive proof, everything's variable. 
And they found some very interesting things in the city of David, which would indicate, obviously, a presence of a city, descriptions that kind of match the Bible and the Gihon and all that good stuff. The Temple Mount, Temple Mount also does match, and you can use the current Temple Mount to match the descriptions that Josephus gives. It talks about the Antonia being a fortress and that you can run down from the Antonio into the Temple. Well, that's true even if it's on the northwestern side. If it's up there, they would have had a superior position to see down over the whole area at the Antonio. And then if they saw trouble, they could literally just run down onto the Temple Mount, and they, that, those words would still be accurate. Um yeah whatever <laughs> it's, it's it's not worth it's not worth a massive debate and argument but as best as i can tell it's a pretty weak one to say that it's in david's city it's all speculation there is literally no archaeology to support that theory at this point that could change and if it changes okay then we'll have to revisit it but i as somebody who was intrigued with this theory liked the theory but then as the excavations continue I just don't see it. I just don't see it. It just doesn't make sense to me with what 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 they see. And I, I yeah, the, vol, the the burden of proof is on the traditional view. The revised view has to produce some better evidence. And of course, it's interesting because they're like, oh well, the traditional view doesn't have any proof and evidence. It's just funny how that works. But you know, it's not like it's not like some of you know, like Chris, for instance, he uses you know that's. He's one of the first ones I've heard that kind of has a theory similar to mine and that, you know, we're probably dealing with a potentially Jewish antichrist. I'm not going to say he's born in Israel, but he could be. But potentially Jewish antichrist uh, or anti-Messiah type of individual. And I've, he's the first guy I heard that had a similar view. But as I've studied before, he obviously wasn't the first person to have that view. That was the view of the early church, as best as I can tell. Most of the early church fathers believed a in a... Uh, Jewish anti-Messiah, and it wasn't even considered to be anything else for a long time. So I, I think, you know, I, I want to be careful, obviously, when I recommend, make recommendations to people, what they, uh, who they listen to or follow, whatever, but just always use a grain of salt and everything. Um, I've been over six times. It's not a lot, but I've seen a lot of archaeologists, a lot of people, that, or a lot of archaeology that a lot of Israelis have not even seen. And all I can say is that there are reasons for understanding things a particular way. And uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. The whole plowed field thing, personally, I think how that could work is that the temple, as I understand it, Melchizedek's temple, was that, and if I understand Melchizedek the way at least I understand it, people might have a difference, but I believe him to be the embodied spirit. Now, there's reasons for that. He had no father or mother. Hebrews denotes that he made a, he was personally responsible to make a priest after his own order. And uh, he had somewhat of an eternal nature, a little bit like Jesus. So the connection there to me, I think it's I, I think it's the spirit, but other people have different views, and I understand that. I'm, gonna, I, I'm not you know, I don't know. I wasn't there. But if it is true, and Melchizedek was embodied form of the spirit, whatever that means, okay, a human full of the spirit or however it was, okay, that he had a temple that was the pattern and that was the real temple of God, if you will. The other temples, God perhaps in his foreknowledge knew that there would be some corruption and things like that and he maybe had him in a different position. But the reality is that where, where the temple zero stood, that became a plowed field. So you could make the case for that quote being true in that 
the temple of God, the original one, okay, that that one became a plowed field. Not Solomon's, not David's, but the original one, because it literally did. Right over that area, it became a plowed field. So, hey, what do I know? We'll wait and see what the archaeology says. Just don't jump on any bandwagons too quick yet. We're not there yet. It's not that conclusive. So until next time, uh, be blessed, and uh, hopefully I can keep doing this more frequently. It's actually kind of fun getting into it again. Um, sorry, I've kind of taken a hiatus and I was wasting too much time, but I do keep up with these things. And uh, anyway, uh, be blessed and until next time.